What's up? You're listening to Fork the Product. I'm your host, Nick Casares. And I'm your other host, Zach Cohen. Fork the Product is a podcast that explores the intersection of blockchain, product, and user experience. We interview founders and builders to understand how they're approaching problems in the blockchain space. The show is brought to you in part by Polyant Labs. Nick, can you talk for a second about Polyant? Sure. Polyant is a blockchain-focused, early-stage startup incubator. We're headquartered in Phoenix, Arizona. And I say we're because in my other life, I'm the director of product for Polyant. Long story short, we help founders bring their ideas to life by providing them with early-stage funding, mentoring, and support with things like development, design, and marketing services. If you're an entrepreneur or developer and you have a vision that you'd like to discuss with Polyant, visit our website at polyant.io. That's P-O-L-Y-I-E-N-T dot I-O for more information. Great. Thanks for your support, Polyant. Now on to today's show. We apologize if the audio quality of this episode is a little bit different than what you've come to expect. The following episode was recorded live and on location at ETH Denver 2020. In this episode, we sit down with Michael Senna, co-founder and CEO of 3Box, a company aiming to be the shared backend for Web3 by making it simple for developers to store data securely with their users. All right, welcome back. We're here, here in Denver 2020. Uh, we're excited to have Michael Senna here from 3Box. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, so uh, you know, you got to kick us off by telling us about 3Box. Where to start? Um, so 3Box is a project that um, my team and I have been working on for about two years. Um, and the goal is to allow developers um, to build more complete decentralized applications. And that was sort of the initial goal. Um, there's a lot of stuff behind the scenes that you need to make that happen. But what we realized is, um, you know, Web3 is taking off, but every single app is just a thin interface on a smart contract. And it's like really plays around this concept of money Legos and like making these products more accessible and open to everyone. Um, but they lacked the same like data Legos infrastructure um, to complement those features. And so what we saw are these like basic applications with minimal interactivity. Um, and that's why like usage and adoption is low because like how many times you log in to your bank account or like how many times you go to your brokerage account and make trades or like take loans, it's like not that frequently. Right. You like, you know, interact socially a lot more. And so can we, and like all these social interactions and features, like they need data. And so you can't keep that data on the blockchain and you also can't keep it on a server. And so the question is like, where do you keep it? Uh, and so at three box, we built this user data management system. Um, that sort of allows users to own and control their data, you know, as they as is produced, as they interact with applications, and then it's sort of saved in a on openly on IPFS, and it's portable between apps, and sort of gives users agency and control of their information, privacy, and how that data is used. Yeah. So I know you know we've known each other for a few years now. I know you were at Uport before, uh, and I think there's you know probably some interesting learnings from that experience that led you to. Box. So can you talk through the sort of origin story from Uport to 3Box? Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, Uport was one of the first projects on Ethereum um, and took on a really ambitious challenge of um, solving self-sovereign identity. Um, and the interesting thing is, like, at that point in time, it was early 2016 Ethereum. Like, there was no tooling. Like, there were no infrastructure. And right. so what, like, we tried to do was, you know, create a, a mobile app. Um, that created an identity on the blockchain on Ethereum for a user, and then 
you know, as a user, like use that mobile app to log into services or, you know, sign, like actually get authentication into physical buildings and things like that. They can start accumulating data like in their mobile data vault. And then they can you know, share that data with other places as they continue to interact. Um, but in order to deliver that experience that early, we need to build a whole bunch of things that were like non-core. And so we built meta transactions, like Christian Lundquist, one of our co-founders, like actually made up the term meta transactions in like mid 2016 and wrote a paper. And then like we, imp like we implemented it at Uport in early 2016. And it's like, what does that really have to do with identity? Like it's now obviously there's gas station network and all these other things, which like make it easier to build like just the thing you need to build. But at that point it wasn't possible. And so the product was a little sprawled. Um, and so, but what we've learned is like, okay, like blockchains, everyone thought when, you know, when Ethereum became popular, people were like hypothesized that it could be used as a registry for people's identities. And it's a permissionless way for anyone to sort of create an account that they own and only they control. Um, and that was the promise. But what we learned is actually that you don't want to use Ethereum to register an identity. Like it's better for revocation of things and like timestamp, like it's, you can assume it's valid unless it's not. Mm. Um, oh, interesting. And, and so we actually look to IPFS as like a better place to, you know, have updates and a place to like store information, whether it's like my identifier, like my identity or other things about me that doesn't cost gas to like do a transaction and has zero wait times. And like it, all of the benefits of scale and cross-chain interoperability we saw an IPFS. Um, and so a couple, you know, people like, you know, long-term U-porters like started just like doing little experiments. Like, can we create an identity model on IPFS? And like, can we start to like expand that and see where it goes? And then eventually we were like, okay, our target is, um, you know, another consensus uh, product MetaMask is like the browser extension wallet and mobile wallet now too. But we were like, can we just give MetaMask the capability to like, you know, have a peer-to-peer -peer database for user data. And sure. Like, can we give storage to MetaMask? Mm. Um, and so, like, that was the design target. And so, we like built the product sort of around that notion of we want to let any wallet like access the same data and sort of with this IPFS scalable identity system. Um, and so, we yeah, we built that. The first version was called User Space. Um, is like an indication as like it's my personal like vault, and everyone can like add to it, and I can just carry my data around. Um, we changed the name to three box and yeah, I guess it was maybe six months ago now, like MetaMask integrated three box to like back up your browser extension and all your information. And so, uh, it was kind of nice to see, like, you know, it takes a year and like a year and a half to like mature the product enough to get like, you know, one of the, you know, highest volume or like most production ready DAP to integrate you. But like, I'm glad we landed in the place we set out to go. Yeah, absolutely. So. Tell us, I guess, dig into the product a little bit more from the, so your user is a developer, right? Yeah, so it's at, at least at the first level, yeah. Yeah, it's like, so this is another learning that we had from Uport. Like, in some ways, we almost positioned it to end users. Here's your mobile vault, like, it's your digital passport, like, all of these things. I'm sure you've heard these terms. Um, but, like, people don't really want that. Like they just want to do what they want to do, but they want it to work better. And right? they, don't, they don't really want to think about that stuff either. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like they just like literally want to live their life. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and so um, what we actually learned is that like um, by serving the needs of developers and by like, you know, not 
you know, solving things that they actually care about. So like if we can make it easy to easier than it is even in web two to build an app, um, like that's a reason for people to use a better system. Um, that's like one adoption vector. Like another one is if we can, you know, promise developers like better compliance or like, um, all sorts of things. Like it's just easier to do messaging and storage when it's with a user than if you have to like spin up your own server and hire backend engineers and like the cost sure. complexity and like surface area grows. And so we were like, we can make it easier to build better apps faster with dev tooling. And if this dev tooling is actually leveraging technology that at its core is better for users, um, then we can sort of solve the problem from the other side. Yeah. And like, and so I mean, that's a well-worn path, you know, a web two path too. I mean, like that's what the Twilio's of the world have done, right? Exactly. Like we very much like look to them as being like one of the, um, the leaders in like that path to adoption. I mean, you can, it's basically like provide them the tools they need and like let them be creative and sort of get out of their way and yeah. see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. So you talked, you talked about this year and a half sort of development path to getting to the place where you could integrate with MetaMask. Um, unpack that a little bit more and tell us about the process of, of iterating and, and working with, you know, who, who, who were you testing things with or what was your feedback loop like when you're developing this to get to that place? Ooh, yeah. Um, <laughs> product development in Web3 is very interesting, um, even like way more interesting than Web2 um, because one, you have such tight access to your initial customer base. People are generally very passionate and like want to help you and like give you feedback. You know, um, of course you get like varying degrees of feedback and like varying levels of, um, yeah, delivery, um, politeness, but like at the end of the day, <laughs> delivery politeness, yeah, <laughs> yeah. like you, it, it was very interesting to build a product alongside the community. Like one thing that one of our principles all along was just, ship consistently and let people know what you're doing. Um, so that way they can never be like, this product is useless. How did you ever get to this point? Like you've been building in a vacuum, like what needs does this solve? Or like, it doesn't quite fit my pattern of development. Like we can never let that happen. So like early on, we were lucky that like the meme, like three box ships kind of like popped up because every, you know, we'd be making releases like four times a week and writing like new feature blog posts all the time. Um, yeah. It's a so, nice meme to, to yeah. have time. <laughs> I mean, and honestly, like we just like, and then you get in that rhythm of like, okay, we like do stuff. We like make a spec, get feedback, like build a POC, like share it, let people give us feedback and just keep like doing that all the time. And then eventually it just becomes part of like the team culture. Yeah. It's yeah. like muscle it's a, it's a discipline. Yeah. 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 It's like routines and that's always been big. Um, so I think it's just like sticking to the routines and like not letting, you know, your ideas get too big because it's like ship small things often iterate and like have a direction of where you're going, but like be agile and prioritizing what's next because, um, you know, sometimes you think you're like building, along like, you know, maybe a month or two roadmap so you can get to an integration point with a customer, but then you know, something else pops up in between and it's like lower hanging fruit and you can get another one in, like in the meantime. And so it's sure. always like being agile in that sense, but like keeping tight, tight feedback loops. Yeah, yeah. and uh, that's a good point. I mean, you, you really do have to be somewhat opportunistic, I think, when you're doing product development in this space because things just change too fast. Yeah, and build for use cases. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like it's always better to build something that you know someone is going to use because they're asking for it than it is to like say like, well, if we build this thing, then theoretically this is, this is my vision. So yeah, yeah. Like, look, like let's knock them off one at a time, and then we'll see where we end up. Yeah, sure. And, and going end to end allows you to fold in the entire scope of learning back into the next one. Um, yeah, 
But I, one thing that you just mentioned before reminds me of a thought that comes up from time to time, and that is, you know, the crypto space has really passionate people. And I, I sometimes wonder if because they're almost so bought into the ethos that they're almost like uh, they give you a false sense of validation on something. Do you ever get that sense? Because they may be willing because they're so passionate about crypto to like overlook uh, shortcomings in a product. Definitely. I mean, there's a lot of reasons why people use Web3 tech and they're the ideologues uh, <laughs> amongst us. And so, yeah, I mean, it just you have to know where the signal's coming from. It's always contextual. Like, it's not like you can't like use it as a blind, you know, like guiding light. Right. It, you have to sort of interpret it. And um, what we do, though, is we generally think about like the market we're trying to serve and how representative this person is of that market. Um, and so right now, like, and since the beginning, our focus has been on the Ethereum community, like shipping things that are useful for them and like getting customers there. And then, you know, then we'll think about expanding to other blockchains. And, you know, it's fairly easy for us, but it's more about like dedicated community effort and who you listen to. Um, and so then eventually you expand into, you know, normal Web2 devs that, you know, probably don't care that like they're not so bought in with the like principles of the product, but might use it for different reasons. Like it's just easier. Right. Or like I as a you know, front end developer can build a full stack app, you know, with no back end. Like sure, yeah. those are the reasons why they would do it's it. A big selling point. Yeah. And then eventually like you'll listen to feedback more from those customers than right. from your early markets. But yeah, it's about knowing who who's giving it to you and sort of qualifying it. Yeah, for sure. So you told us a little bit about the product. What's the business model with Three Box? Yeah, so um, Three Box is open source and it's built on, you know, other open source technologies like IPFS and OrbitDB. Um, and three ideas are like, you know, open source identity system in there. Um, and so like anyone can sort of run three box infrastructure, um, but a lot of developers sort of in the, you know, the managed services model sort of just want to set up and like spin up an infrastructure with three box and just keep their data somewhere where they know it's available and they know it's performant. And it's like the speed is there to like meet the demands of their app. And so sure. there will always be um, people that want to like pay for services related on top of open source software. Sure. So at three box, we'll provide, you know, some of those services, like a subset of everything that could be done. Um, because in reality, we do hope that, you know, most three box usage doesn't come from like us hosting it, right? Like it should be in Fura's and pinatas and our trade and three box and like, a, like AWS, like a lot of hosting services. Um, and ultimately, it's just to guarantee performance because users can always like store a local copy of their data. Yeah. yeah Long term, there's like super interesting things we can do about like more incentives and, and sort of like enabling a decentralized coordination of data um, that are sort of like could lend themselves more towards like some token models or, or other sorts of things. But um, our main goal to, to date has just been like, let's make it as frictionless and easy as possible to use this tech. So developers are actually building things. Sure. And then we'll like figure it out. It's like more, um, we've just been subsidizing even storage. Like we haven't charged anyone anything. Sure. Um, because if that's like another reason to like not try it out, we'd rather eliminate that and sort of consider it an investment in product development. You have to start the flywheel. Yeah. Yeah. So one thing that I wanted to clarify, so an end user of three box infrastructure, will they ever know that they're using three box or is it always behind somebody's DAP? So um, it's always behind someone's DAP. Um, the places where it does show up is um, three box is controlled by um, 
blockchain keys, so blockchain account keys. And uh, right now in, for example, a MetaMask wallet, if I, as a user, show up in an app that may be integrated with 3box SDK, like, mm -hmm. so uses 3box, when I sign into that app, um, that app would, you know, send that, sends that request to like your MetaMask wallet or something. Sure. And so you see like a little message that says like, this app wants to log you in. And in our case, it says like, this app wants to access your 3box. And so if you don't have one, it just creates one for you on the fly. And if you have one, it gives them access to it. And Got so it, yeah. it does show up in the wallet messaging, but that's because MetaMask directly exposes those signatures to the end user because it's like a self-sovereign wallet type of thing. Right. And custodied wallets are all sorts of wallets that maybe abstract that experience away from users could just sign these messages in the background. Sure. And so then the user would like never know. Yeah. And so in that case, it's more just like the magic moment where it's like user shows up, they like sign in and like all their data shows up and it's like, okay, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Can you uh, talk through some of the most exciting use cases and, and the ones that you think represent the most compelling use of 3Box? Yeah, so 3Box can be used in either single player or multiplayer mode. And that's like single player mode is like, I'm a dev, I'm gonna just like use 3Box as peer-to-peer -peer database system so I don't have to manage anything. And then like my app will consume that data um, back when it needs it. And so, um, I mean, those use cases are interesting like for example, like MetaMask, right? They just use us as like private encrypted backup for their wallet that doesn't like get trapped inside local storage. So it's like a decentralized local mm. storage. And when you do that, you enable like seamless syncing across all of your devices and browsers mm. and all of those things. And so that's like an example of that, that we're pretty excited about. And like a lot of wallets actually have the same use case. Um, then there's like the multiplayer mode stuff, which is actually like more interesting. Yeah. Um, and that's like, because um, the three box network is like a shared system. It's like, you know, a public blockchain. It's like a public infrastructure that, um, you know, an app that saves data on the system, like another app can request access to that data. Um, if the user, and the user has to consent if it's private, but if it's public, like you could just read it. And so, you know, like the easiest example to, show for that is we built this app called three box hub and it's basically just a place where you can go to like three box.io slash hub and you can log in and you can create a profile for your ethereum address you can like have a little wall that people can leave comments on there's like a little chat system in the corner like a troll box anyway like if you create a profile there then you can go to any other app that also uses three box and you can just like not be a hex address anymore. And so like, right, right. that's like DAO stack, um, Zerion, like some of these, um, particularly DAO stack, like these social coordination tools, um, they're really only viable with these like social overlay, social data mm. overlays. Like right. if the goal of a DAO, and I hate the word DAO, but like if a goal of this next generation social network is to enable humans to coordinate and make decisions in like a, more collaborative decentralized way like you need to know who you're talking to and there's some element yeah. of reputation and there's some like commenting system because you need to coordinate and like 99 percent of activity in a DAO is talking and commenting and discussing yeah. and like messaging it is and social yeah it, it is inherently social and yeah. like we haven't had this sort of like social data lego infrastructure before and so of course like DAOs had low usage yeah um, it's like we enable sort of like the full vision of what that should be. And like, I think that's really interesting because it's not just like DAOs in their current form. It's like all sorts of things. Um, 
And so really like, you know, we, most people use us simply for profiles, like just get profile data or save profile data. That's like low hanging fruit. Then the next set of people use us for storage and that's like the MetaMask backup use case and that's fine. And then there's like these, we have threads. So it's really just like shared feeds between one or many users. And that's like really flexible. So you can do um, public threads or private threads. So you can use them for just like make a decentralized Reddit. You can just have like an open group chat. Um, you can also have like DMs and private group chats and private DAO walls. So like onlookers or non-members of the DAO like can't see what this DAO is deliberating on. And like, mm -hmm. that's kind of how things work in the real world. Sure. Um, and so we just like this like shared, you know, feed messaging system is like really powerful for sort of some of these tools. Super interesting. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of curious, you know, you've been using IPFS. Um, how do you think about like Filecoin coming online at some point in the future? Uh, what is that experience like? Uh, and yeah, how do you think it'll play into three bucks? Yeah, so Filecoin, um, we're finally starting to get more information about now. Like they have testnet up, there's some documentation. Um, and so people are starting to play around with it. I think, so working with IPFS generally is, it's, uh, it's still experimental technology, right? Like, and on top of just IPFS, we also use OrbitDB, which is a peer-to-peer -peer database built on top of IPFS, which also runs in the browser. <laughs> and uh, so we're running like a three box node is actually like an IPFS node and an Orbit node, like, and a three ID wrapper around these things. And it's like in your browser. And so there's just like a lot of complexity that you have to yeah. deal with like browser yeah. APIs and like all these things. And so um, we've actually lately started going deeper more into Orbit and IPFS and just like fixing things we need fixed because we are like the biggest user of OrbitDB. And so like we see things first even before their core team sees it. And so like we're like, we need data to sync to the browser faster. So they worked on that for them. And, like, so we're moving But that's down. the beauty of open source, yeah. right? Like yeah, you can like, do that. <laughs> you can do that. You can just like make a PR and like they've been super responsive. And so, yeah. um, you know, obviously we would prefer that others in the community like do these things. But the thing is, if we need them, then we can do them ourselves. Yeah. Right. But it's like, you know, it's, it's, it's core to our product, but it, it theoretically could have been handled by someone else, but we're yeah. working with them. And so the same thing with Filecoin, like um, Filecoin basically will just, you know, be a persistence layer for IPFS. And so that will actually remove some of the need for three box nodes to worry about persisting the IPFS data. Like theoretically you could swap out the disk and say like, instead of, you know, just a service that's online, like a, yeah, like an API service or a hosting service to pin this, we can just direct it to the Filecoin network and Filecoin miners. Yeah. Um, but still in our system, OrbitDB also needs some persistence because you always need to know like what the latest state of the database is. And so our system still needs to like pin those things. Um, but yeah, I mean, ideally like Filecoin is another disk that you could use and you'll be able to ideally point like three box stored data in these OrbitDB instances to IPFS uh, or Filecoin or sort of any of the other like, you know, like raw file storage layers that are available on blockchains or not. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. I uh, would love to get a sense of, you know, what's your roadmap? What are you looking to ahead? What are you excited about? Biggest opportunities for you guys? Yeah. I mean, there's so many exciting things. I think like the two areas that we care about most are like one, um, 
performance of these peer-to-peer systems because and and really what that's about is like just removing mainstream objection to using this technology right like the promise is it's easier it's just as good and performant but it's easier and users get to hold their data so it's like a win-win but if the systems aren't as performant as they expect then like their users experience like a drop in quality of the service and that's really what more mature customers are really thinking about and so it's fine for current use cases and the foreseeable future but really thinking long term like the goal is to get these peer to peer data systems as performant or more performant than current systems and so that's always on our mind um secondly there's like the growth side and like adoption right like really we prioritize features that people want and that have asked for and we qualify and spec with them and so it's always sort of pointing the business and the product and sort of the open source community all towards like adoption because you know as much as we love the de- like decentralized technology for its own sake like we love seeing it used and having like impact in other people's lives and that doesn't happen if you make things people don't need so yeah. <laughs> always making yeah. like new features that are sort of like directly relevant to the people that use the stuff that we make and lastly like always thinking about what pieces of this can we standardize and sort of um turn into open protocols that are really just like um you know like more core and like more lower level um and so like how can we you know let three box or like the three id system sort of power all sorts of peer to peer databases like not just orbit instances and so um opening both support for a whole bunch of blockchains on the like account side and on the database side like opening up to a whole bunch of peer to peer database systems so we're sort of this layer in the middle that ties these things together um and we're always thinking about like rolling out that as like a a more fully featured protocol. Yeah, something you said there's really interesting, which I think is unique to building products in a decentralized ecosystem in that I think what we'll see in the future is product value being created and captured along the way to building something and then sort of uh, you know, giving it back to the community, right? And, and that's going to happen over and over and over again and I think companies will be built on that that ethos from the ground up, right? And it'll be a really interesting yeah, way to rethink how you the, the arc of your, your company and the arc, the, the product life cycle changes, I think. Yeah, that is, it's, it's like what you were describing, just like you demonstrate the feasibility of something and then you release it to the community and let it, you know, take on a life of its own. Yeah, there are so many pieces we've, we've gone back and forth now because we, as the product matures, you have like, you do things sometimes that you know aren't ultimately the whole complete vision of what you want to do but you do it because it enables something else which gets you closer and and so it's non-linear right right? and when you take a non-linear path like sometimes you accumulate things that aren't core but like you did because you needed to at the time like you always think of like in the beginning do things that don't scale to like get your main product to scale it's like airbnb going out in the famous example to like take nice pictures of people's apartments sure yeah Yeah. like bootstrap the network right and so like obviously that doesn't scale but um you know like we made this hub app um and that is, you know, it was made so that it was easy for people to create profiles and get data in the system. So then apps had a place to like get it from. Sure. And apps still send like other third party applications that integrate three box that want users to have profiles. Like for users that haven't already created a profile, they'll actually like a lot of them will send that person to three box hub to like make a profile and then go back because then they only have to get data from the network. They also don't have to like set up yeah. the saving. And so right. it's like, but now like this hub app is like needed but again like we're really focused on the data infrastructure and we just built this almost as like 
a dog fooding tool and like something fun. Right. And so like, you know, we're thinking about potentially ways that we can give that to the community and yeah. open it up and let, you know, all these different DeFi protocols and aggregators sort of like plug their things right in. And so it sort of becomes a community hub. Um, but yeah, then you worry about the governance and things like that. So it's like, again, even just giving something away is not straightforward, um, yeah, but it's, true. <laughs> it, it's, not, it's stuff that we think about, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so we're here at Denver. Uh, what are you guys doing in terms of interacting with projects that are building during the hackathon? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're always super close with developers. So we actually are a sponsor of the event. Um, we have a sponsor booth on floor two. So, you know, we, we've brought five of our teammates. We're small, we're only seven people. Um, and so we, we brought five of us out here because it's so important. Um, the other two couldn't make it. But yeah, so we've been helping hackers at our booth. Um, we have 5,000 die and bounties for the hackathon. So there's like, you know, a big one, like 2,500 for best overall integration. And so it's um, great. It's like incentivizing people to like actually get in and not use three bucks for, you know, easy yet somewhat superficial use cases, like showing a, a image and a name instead of a hex address, like tremendously value add for the end user experience, but generally low hanging fruit from like an integration with sure, sure, perspective. Yeah, yeah. And so it's like, how can we instead get people to like create, you know, like three box powered and like driven applications that maybe have some on-chain component. And in, to date, it's kind of the other way. It's like people at Ethereum hackathons will make like an Ethereum smart contract centric app. And then at the end, like in an hour before the bounty's over, they'll just like drop in some of our UI plugins and like throw some stuff in. And then it's like, uh, but yeah, we really want to see like, just sort of like a broadening of the definition of, of what a web three DAP is like in that, um, to us is like the true vision is like, you know, open data, like open data systems, whether it's user data or financial data and like composing these things in interesting ways, um, and trying to push the boundary of like, what a DAP is because like if we want to go mainstream it's probably the fact that like these DAPs would be primarily driven around like normal things you do in apps and then like a component of it is financial or something sure and sure. it's kind of been the other way around to date yeah yeah well, this has been a fantastic interview. Before we wrap, we've been asking people a couple of questions. So first, big and broad, you know, what are you, what are you most excited about in crypto or blockchain this year? Uh, am I allowed to say ETH too? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. You wouldn't be the first or the second. It's like, it's like ETH too, question mark? Come on, guys. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, like, um, of course, that is exciting um, for all the new use cases that can open up and um, things like that. But I, I think for me, it's more broad than just like the the crypto community. For me, it's like the mm, Web3 community, yeah. in a way, which to me is like, depending on your use of the word crypto, it either means like cryptocurrency or cryptography. Right. And like for me, I'm like down with the cryptography side of yeah. that. I'm like totally like crypto will save us all. Um, yeah. It enables peer-to-peer yeah. -peer systems, right? Totally, it enables yeah. decentralized like, security and all these things. And so um, I think we'll see like some sprouts of like mainstream potential this year. I don't like, are we going to see a, like a tremendously mainstream app? Like, I don't know. I feel like we're so close on the infrastructure side. Maybe it's next year, but we're not far. Yeah. Um, and so I'm always like looking out for new things and it's still TBD if like that first adopted app by the mainstream will be like just a replication of something that people already do in a slightly different way yeah. and, and it's you know palatable to them or if it will be actually something new that gets adoption for, like for different shift. reasons. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like you either do things like faster, cheaper or more, in more novel ways or you actually do something new that people can never do before. Yeah. And it's like, which path will that be? I don't know. 
Yeah. Yeah. And how about going the other direction? What are you most, I guess, uh, concerned about with, with the ecosystem over the next year? Same answer. <laughs> yeah. Same answer. <laughs> yeah, wait, wait. It's deja vu. Um, no, honestly, sustainability. Um, this has kind of been a topic that's, you know, Gitcoin's been harping on for a while and like OS coin and, yeah. and Vitalik and stuff, right? With grants and matching. Um, but for me, I just think that like people put in so much work, like working in open source and working in this type of community environment, like it burns people out. It also is like, mm. there's a lot of cost to it that like, is like maintainers just like live under stress and like people just like, you know, they are happy when your product works sometimes. And like when it doesn't work, then it's like a big problem. And, and sort of like, and some of these maintainers aren't paid well and projects are sort of bootstrapping and working with fewer employees than like a web two startup would because it's unclear when will the ecosystem will get adoption. So everyone's like right. managing their um, burn down and sort of like funds. And so there's and just like then, a but, but at pressure. the same time, some of those, some of those maintainers are contributing code. That's like keeping the system alive. Right. Yeah. Like, mission critical code. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I've definitely heard uh, more than one person say like, you know, they started something, it got a lot of traction. And then they were, ter even though they were super stressed about um, trying to maintain that, and, you know, sustaining the level of effort, you know, they can't back out. They feel guilty. Yeah. And that's yeah. rough. Yeah. And like, and then if people are building like higher order or like, you know, more derivative products on top of you, uh, then it's like, how can you guarantee that the tech is going to be around and sustained and sort of led in a good way? Um, and so... Yeah, I think there will be innovations in that space. Like, it's obviously something that a lot of people are paying attention to. Do you have any thoughts about, you know, how to how to make that better? No, I mean, I think it's going to take so much experimentation. Honestly, like, yeah. I I think it's hard for me to sit here and say like there's one answer because that would be lying. Like, I think we're all facing the same problem. Yeah. Um, and so there's a lot of smart people thinking about it, but it it's an age old question. It's not new to crypto, no, it's just like, yeah. it's just more apparent because everyone's open source and everyone is so interconnected right. and it's like such a tight community that it's like more of a focus. But yeah, I think it's just gonna take a lot of different tries. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Michael, thanks so much for joining us on the show. This has been a great conversation. Where oh. can uh, people find out more about 3Box? Yeah, thanks. Uh, so you can find out more about 3Box um, on our website, 3Box.io. That's probably, um, we'll give you just like a high level uh, amount of information, um, or you can check out our documentation, which is like more technical leaning, but still provides context um, about like what Three Box does. Uh, and then lastly, like we're always online on Discord. We're an open source community, so um, you can pretty much at any time, any day, get us if you go to chat.threebox.io um, and just say what's up. Cool. Awesome. Thanks so much. Thanks, Mike. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Fork the Product. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe, leave a review, or share this podcast with all your crypto friends. See you next time.